Good evening, Los Angeles. Thank you for coming out to the late show. On a week where we fell back, it feels later than ever. We'll get to it. <laughs> Let's get into it. What a week. Facebook has redesigned its logo to say Facebook in all capital letters, and I think it's working. A lot of people were mocking Facebook for the timing in the midst of a scandal in which the company seems not to take any responsibility for its role in spreading misinformation for profit. What would you have them do? Wait for a good news cycle? You're gonna have Facebook Wait to roll out a new logo for a good news cycle? Sincere question. When is the last time anyone in here can remember a story about Facebook that was good for Facebook? <laughs> was it when they expanded to Vassar? <laughs> Some may say that Facebook trying to fix its brand image with capital letters is like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. That is ridiculous. Facebook is not the Titanic. Facebook is the iceberg. <laughs> but what is the Titanic? Best not to think about it. Microsoft Japan tested the effects of a four-day work week and a three-day weekend on employee productivity. The company reported, shame on you. Shame on all of you. Show some respect for capital. The company reported that the shorter week boosted workers' productivity by 40%, said Travis casually in conversation 14 times this week. <laughs> oh, it turns out, actually, it's interesting. I don't know if you saw it, that uh, you actually get just as much work done, but with a three-day weekend, seems like a win-win for everybody. You, us, me, anybody. Just something to think about, some food to noodle on. What? <laughs> I can't believe he said food to noodle on. What a moron. <laughs> on Tuesday, voters across America went to the polls. <laughs> Among the results, in Kentucky, Democrat Andy Bashir defeated Republican governor and Bushwood Country Club president Matt Bevin. <laughs> a state Trump won by 30 points, though Matt Bevin has refused to concede. Bevin is deeply unpopular. He famously claimed during the teacher strike in 2018 that the strike would lead to child sexual abuse. It was a flawless argument that went over perfectly. <laughs> he tried to use impeachment and support from Trump to nationalize the race. In fact, here's what Trump had to say when campaigning for Bevin. You're sending that big message to the rest of the country. It's so important. You gotta get your friends, you gotta vote. Because if you lose, it sends a really bad message. It just sends a bad, and they will build it up. Here's the story. If you win, they're going to make it like ho-hum. And if you lose, they're going to say, Trump suffered the greatest defeat in the history of the world. This was the greatest. You can't let that happen to me. That's what they're going to say. They're going to say, Trump suffered the greatest defeat in the history of the world. Say it with me. Trump suffered the greatest defeat in the history of the world. 
so far. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, Democrats now control the assembly and governorship in Virginia for the first time in a generation. Virginia flipped both the House of Delegates and the Senate blue, but if we're being honest, it's Virginia, so they may just be wearing blue face. I want everyone here to know that I went into that joke with eyes open. But we decided we had to. We decided we had no choice. We were going over the jokes before I came up here. And Elisa said, maybe we cut that one. And finally, the New York Times is reporting that Mike Bloomberg is going to run for president in the Democratic primary. Uh, this is the first time anyone today has said finally in relation <laughs> to this event. Uh, <laughs> on to impeachment on Wednesday. Yeah, just, let's just applaud Article 2, Section 8, I believe. On Wednesday, it was announced that the House Intelligence Committee will hold the first public hearings of the impeachment inquiry next week. Eat shit, Little Mermaid Live. The TV event of the season is here. U.S. Ambassador to the EU, Gordon Sondland, revised his testimony this week, claiming that his memory has been refreshed. You, you know what always refreshes my memory? Being caught lying under oath. It's really a... It's a mento into the Diet Coke of the mind. <laughs> Gordon Sondland suddenly remembered that there was a quid pro quo after all. You're skeptical, but you don't know Gordon Sondland's life. All right? Every morning he wakes up and he looks in the mirror and there it is, tattooed across his chest. Donald Trump engaged in a quid pro quo with Ukraine. Do not defend him. And then he puts his shirt on, slips his mind, and he starts all over again. Sondland, a man who has the job because he was a Trump mega donor and supporter, has now put Republicans in an even deeper bind for Lindsey Graham, especially, uh, who said this. Are you open-minded if more comes out that you could support impeachment? Sure. I mean, I mean, I, show me something that is a crime. If you could show me that, you know, Trump actually was engaging in a quid pro quo outside the phone call, that would be very disturbing. Well, what do you do now? You set the standard, and now we're meeting the standard. How do you reconcile what you said about the evidence as the evidence comes out? Well, you do this. I've written the whole process off. I'm written him off. I think this is a bunch of BS. The phone call I've made up my own mind is, is fine. Do you plan on reading these transcripts that were released? No. <laughs> it's a cool, surprising twist. Just don't ever look at the evidence, and then it can't hurt you. <laughs> Lindsey Graham's relationship to Donald Trump uh, has evolved quite a bit over the past few years. He was obviously originally a huge Trump opponent. He is very much like a person trying to not eat a cupcake at work. <laughs> you know, there's all... it's. it's it's 3 o'clock, and there are cupcakes at work, and he says to himself, no! No, Lindsay. You don't want one. You don't want anything to do with it. You made a promise to yourself. You weren't going to have any of this cupcake. Then you get a little hungry. You get a little stressed. A little tired. Get a little worried about a primary challenger. You walk by that cupcake a couple times. Maybe you get a little plastic knife. Cut yourself a little sliver. Little segment. No harm in that. No one's ever 
Well, what could go wrong? Cut yourself a little sliver of a cupcake. Eats the sliver. Keeps finding himself walking by the kitchen. Maybe he goes back in. Takes another slice. Before you know it, you've eaten two Trump cupcakes. Maybe a Trump donut. <laughs> and once again, another day has gone by where you started out thinking you weren't going to have any Trump cupcakes. That you were going to be good. And you failed yet again. And you find yourself on television saying you will not read the evidence of the crimes because the crimes are the things you said you would impeach him over if you found the evidence. All right, we've got a great show for you guys. Cal Penn is here. Emily Heller is here. Jason Leopold is here. We'll be right back. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Angels Envy. How can envy be a motivating force that inspires people? I don't know. I mean, Maybe look at look at Elon Musk. I mean, just you know, <laughs> envy makes the world go round. Envy and FOMO. That's basically it. That's a ba- yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, the Half, that's capitalism. <laughs> envy is commonly regarded as a vice, but it can be a good thing. Envy can be a catalyst for creation, Ooh. inspiring the world to raise the bar. Okay. And Angel's Envy is a bourbon that is worth the envy. Yeah, I was wondering where we were going with this. Angel's Envy bends the traditional rules of whiskey. It's a little different from all other bourbons out there. This bourbon makes the perfect gift for any occasion. Angel's Envy are the pioneers of secondary finishing in bourbon and one of the first full production urban distilleries in downtown Louisville. With its unique bottle design, Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels is sure to be the envy of any bar cart too. Look for Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels. Please drink responsibly. Copyright 2024 Angel's Envy bottled by Louisville Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. And we're back. He's the creator and star of Sunnyside on Hulu. Please welcome my friend, Cal Penn. Hi, Cal. How are you? I'm going to sit with you. No, oh, no, okay. No, no yeah, yeah, okay. okay. Sure, oh, wow. Okay, thank you. So much touching. So, <laughs> what are you asking me? I don't want you to see the cards. Oh, fine, John. Uh, Cal, God. how you doing? Good, man, how are you? Hi, everybody. <laughs> Do you remember, I'm sorry, I know you have Jump questions. Jump in. I would see Friend of the Pod shirts, right, and I would text you, mm-hmm. and I'd text you guys photos of them, and now I can't do that anymore because there are so many of them. Yeah. In such a short amount of time. So Pretty cool. wild. So cool. It's been a weird couple of years. Uh, <laughs> so we'll uh, be professional. Let's start. Let's start with something that's been, I think, roiling Los Angeles. Sure. Uh, how how do you feel about the LAX oh, plan? No. No, I, and I know. Listen, for for those listening outside of uh, Los Angeles, uh, you just need to understand that they surprised us all. With a with a with this. Oh, you want to take a taxi? You want to take a lift? <laughs> you want to take an Uber? Guess what? It's a bus ride to the Thunderdome, and and once you've reached the Thunderdome, it's about being big. It's about being strong. It's about being smart. Yeah. <laughs> so we did this at LaGuardia Airport. I think it's still happening. It's terrible. There are a couple of terminals that are under construction. You have to take a bus to then another satellite place and get your cab or your, your Uber or Lyft or whatever. Um, the difference is, it's still just build a fucking subway to the airport. Yeah. 
I'm looking at you as if you're solely responsible for this. But, like, build a fucking subway to the airport. I understand the rich people don't want it to happen for a number of reasons. Whatever. Like, just make it happen. I, there should be a magic wand, like Obama had and didn't use for some reason. Yeah, he didn't use magic his wand. wand. Should have yeah, used no, the magic wand, guys. The thing about uh, when, when, when New York airports, though, have construction and the cabs are supposed to be at one place. Yeah. Uh, if you know you can follow the rules, but if you just run into some, a road and you can just you can just kind of make a cab to, to sure. eye contact, yeah, you can just grab one. Everybody looks around. You jump in. You're on your way home. L.A. It's a little bit more. You realize that's because you're white, right? I mean, I'm not saying it. Not I'm all not of us can just make eye contact. I'm not saying with the it doesn't help. By the way, it's about by the way, breaking the rules. The cab drivers are brown. So I'm not saying, I'm just saying, they look at me and they're like, nope, you're not going to tip me anything. I'm going with the white dude who's going to tip properly. Piece of advice my dad gave me, by the way. Wow. You will not get a cab over a white dude because we don't tip. <laughs> he was right. But yeah, it's not great. It's not great, the, so, the new LA thing. It's not. Uh, <laughs> Sunnyside. Yeah, man. It's on Hulu. It is. It's on Hulu. If you don't have Hulu, it's also streaming on uh, NBC.com and the NBC app. Everybody's going to check out Sunnyside. It's a great uh, show. Thank We're all going to watch it. I, we've been loving it. It's, uh, it is, we found out recently, the most diverse show in the history of television. It's the most diverse show in the history of television. Which is great. Uh, and the most diverse writer's room is our understanding. So we're, it's, a, it's a show about a bunch of immigrants, uh, you know, who I assume you all root for, given that you came to... See the show, uh, and it's, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we root for immigrants. And love it or a, leave it. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a progressive, fun, warm hug is what we're going for. A patriotic comedy. So hope you like it. Great. She's a comedian and Emmy-nominated writer for her work on Barry, and her stand-up comedy special Ice Thickeners is available to stream in full on YouTube right now. Please welcome back Emily Heller. <laughs> Hi, Emily. Hi, how are you guys doing? When you were sitting on his lap earlier, it was like the ventriloquist and the dummy got switched. Oh. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I had a wow. Why are you ooing? That was the gentlest rib of all time. <laughs> Hi. What else you got then? Huh? Make me feel bad. <laughs> Oh, this is fun. We're I, go, fun. I, go so, I go so easy on you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> this is my last appearance on the show. Oh, man. Never insult me. Never. <laughs> now it's time for OK Stop. <laughs> we'll roll a clip, and Cal and Emily can say OK Stop at any point to comment. The View. It's like the morning show, but with higher stakes. <laughs> Well, earlier today, Don Jr. and Kimber Kimberly Gargoyle, wait, wait, er, what a mess. <laughs> Think it's Gargamel? <laughs> or is that the guy from the Smurfs? <laughs> is Gargamel from the Smurfs or He-Man? Smurfs. Who's the cat in He-Man? Gilgamesh? Battle cat. Well, they're all cats. I don't know. They're all cats. <laughs> That's Thundercats, of course, obviously. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah, He-Man and Skeletor. Obviously, I'm a nerdy gay person born in the 80s. I know about He-Man. <laughs> I know a lot about He-Man. I think He-Man knew I was gay before I did. 
Hey, Shira, get the fuck out of here. You have no business being here. I'm hanging out with my pal He-Man. Even though I like Shira's sword more. That is super specific. And I'm telling you, there are half a dozen people out there nodding so hard they're hurting their necks. All right. Anyway, Don Jr. and Kimberly Guilfoyle, or America's Harry and Meghan, sat down... <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? You don't like it. Neither do I. They sat down with the ladies of The View, and things got intense. Recently, you've been very outspoken about how Hunter Biden has benefited from nepotism. Yes. And you say, I wish my name was Hunter Biden. I could make millions off of my father's presidency. Okay, stop. <laughs> He wishes his name was Hunter Biden so he could make millions off his father's presidency because he knows that his father is going to go bankrupt again and he's not going to get millions off of his. Is that what? I don't think even Don Jr. knew how hypocritical Don Jr. sounded when he said that. It's so fun watching that sentence being read to Don Jr. He has this look on his face. Like, how dare you read that to me? Don't you know how dumb I am? Shame on you. I get that I'm the son of a rich guy from New York. I understand that. My father has done a lot. You know, I've benefited from that as Hunter Biden has. The difference is we did that as a private company. When we got into international politics, the second my father took, you know, won the presidency, he said we will not do new foreign deals going forward. We've all done things that we regret. I mean, if we're talking about bringing a discourse down, Joy, you've worn blackface. Whoopi. No, you okay, stop. Jesus. Is this the first time the audience said, okay, stop? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously they're not, that's a lie, right, about them not doing new deals. They're making tons of money. That's not true. Just want to make sure I get that in. I want to be part of it. I'm not, I'm not Facebook. We've, we, 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 went on, we don't do misinformation. I'm sorry, and don't, you, if you, you knew it. Roman Polanski, it wasn't rape rape when oh he raped Oh, my God. Okay, child. stop. Oh, oh. I'm seeing this for the first time. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. It wasn't rape rape. Are you, what, what is happening? What is happening? I didn't know that happened up there on the view this morning. You didn't you didn't know that this happened? I didn't know it happened like this. <laughs> also, I've seen this game. I was not prepared for this. <laughs> I had I had like read the quotes. I didn't know how how weird his face looked when he was saying this stuff. Look at uh, for those at home, I, I'm just gonna describe it. So Kimberly Guilfoyle, uh, she has this. Like, Who he apparently met at a Melania Trump lookalike contest. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Donald Trump is the fact that he is such a kind of embodiment of, I don't mean evil in the sense of like he's got who's, but that like evil as like we're all fallen and each of us has darkness within us and he is a kind of a manifestation of all the different ways a person can be broken. The fact that he's like that and that the people in his life can't help but reveal their own brokenness all the time. Like, Kimberly Guilfoyle is the same age as Melania. What, what, yep. There is something interesting being worked out on the view before our eyes. But what, what's happening with Kim here, to me, is someone having a, just a genuine reflection about a calculation she made and now realizing that uh, the expected value of Don Jr. is not equaling what she thought it was. <laughs> you know? E of Don Jr. equals 
money plus fame plus I don't know. She's a woman looking up her beanie babies on eBay and facing the truth. (laughs) They are not appreciating (laughs) the way she anticipated. Oh my God, I'm freaking out. Don Jr. is a beanie baby. John Jr. is a beanie baby nobody wanted. He's a beanie baby after the crash. And the little poem on his tag rhymes rape with rape. It's just not a good... So let's I'll, I'll okay. talk about so, yeah, no, Let's thing. talk Come about on, this. So you want to bring this up? The yeah. question came up. I did not about go in blackface. So no, she was not okay, in so, <laughs> Joy's so. like, I got to pretend. I didn't do blackface. I didn't do blackface. No. <laughs> the question came up, why are, me, why are we fucking normalizing these people? I have Now I lose sympathy for these folks. Like... Why, why do you have him on the show to begin with? Why have him on the show? I mean, I guess, I guess the same could be said of us talking about the clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It seems but like... But I it... didn't mean it that way. I mean, but really, why, like, why, yeah. why, if they feel so strongly, have him on the show? And what happened... Did it start out this hot? Or did it escalate? Oh, yeah, that's a good... I haven't seen this before. I... It started, it started out this just hot. right out of the it gate. Started hot. Who had, they were like, did, they were like, "Welcome to the View," and he was like, "Joy Behar wore blackface." <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listen, being black, I recognize blackface. This I can say. When you're talking about the, your father's taking more heat than anybody else, that it's not so. Instead, as a president, and when, yes, as a president, uh, yes. ridiculous. He's getting pressed. I He's a president. Park Five took a lot more heat than your father has taken at his hand. Wait, 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 everybody stop, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, stop. Okay, stop. She is ringing the bell at the Hotel California and realizing she's not allowed to check out. What is that bell there for? (laughs) Who gave Whoopi a bell? (laughs) How long is that whole thing? The view? Uh, No. (laughs) Was he on for the whole hour? Uh, They did four or five hours. God. And then they cut it down to that. I'm going to have to watch the whole thing. And that's okay, stop. (laughs) When we come back, We're going to play a game about the Iowa JJ. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at a dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back! It's here, guys. We got there. This is the first Love It or Leave It that is within one year of the presidential election. Yeah. Let's see what happens. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, yeah, we're, we're applauding. We made it this far. Here we go. Here we go. And in just 86 days, Democrats head to rec centers and high school gyms that all smell the same across Iowa to help decide the candidate for whom we will have to get over our social anxiety and knock on doors. Gear yourselves up now. You're going to have to talk to strangers. And not just any strangers. 
Strangers in Arizona. <laughs> Over the weekend, the candidates descended on Iowa for the Liberty and Justice Celebration. It's a big event. Every candidate has the opportunity to deliver their message and demonstrate their organizing prowess. So we wanted to see just how good of a job they did at differentiating themselves in a game we're calling Political Speech Writing is Easy and Anyone Can Do It. Would anyone out there like to play the game? Hi, what's your name? Carla. Carla. <laughs> did you watch the Iowa JJ speeches? Some of them. The Liberty and Justice Dinner, as we're now calling it. We're not calling it Jefferson Jackson, because we all know why. Uh, I'm going to read a quote from the dinner, and then Cal and Emily are going to try to convince you who said it. All right? They're just going to offer tips. Okay. They're just advice. You know, they don't know. They're, they're in the same boat as you. Okay. But they're here to help. And you're going to have to tell us who gave the speech. Are you ready, Carla? Yeah. Where are you from, Carla? New Jersey. Ooh, where in Jersey? Um, Clifton. All right. I'm from Freehold. Sorry, it's an ethnicity, being from New Jersey. It's true. <laughs> it supersedes all else. All right, Carla. First quote. The first time I came to this state was as a volunteer to knock on doors for a presidential candidate, a young man with a funny name. Uh, Pete. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Pete. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that too. You got it. Yeah. He's always vamping about how young he is. It's very bold to walk out on a stage in Iowa and be like, you know who I remind me of? Obama. This <laughs> 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 is so intense. Next quote. I can see Iowa from my porch. Uh, Amy Klobuchar. Yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Next. The people who appear on this stage are all pointing towards February 3rd, 2020, because that's caucus day. But for me, the big Iowa day is December 19th, 2019, because my Aunt Betsy is going to turn 100 in Iowa City, and she told me I have to be there. Which candidate has an Aunt Betsy? Not Kamala. <laughs> Okay, that's hard it's to argue with that. the only thing I have to say about that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Warren? No, it's, it's Tom Steyer. It's Tom Steyer. We know what Warren's aunt's name is. It's B. She B. have more than one aunt, though. Well, Good point. she needs to start acting like it in her sub speeches. <laughs> Next. Look, folks, I learned something early on from my family and my mom and dad. They said, nobody is better than you, but everybody is your equal. Folks, think about it. Uh, there's a folks in there. <laughs> Biden? You got it. <laughs> Next. Quote. I want to tell you a story about a toaster. When I was a young mom, a toaster could set your house on fire. Really? You could put in the bread, hear the baby cry, leave the room and come back, and your toast would be literally in flames, sometimes along with the kitchen curtains and the kitchen cabinets as well. A terrifying story of a home in flames. Hillary Clinton. No. No. Okay. Uh, wasn't sure if I was allowed to make that joke. Jeez, guys. Woo! You're right, it's tough sometimes. It's, you gotta, uh, listen, as I've learned over time in front of uh, you, <laughs> Hillary jokes, they're okay, but let's make sure we're all feeling safe and warm and recognizing that everything is hard and we're still feeling a little bit brittle. What do you got, Carla? Uh, was that one Warren? That was Warren. <laughs> Next quote. Carla, you're doing so good. 
You know how many Californians each of you is worth? 1,000 Californians each. When I look around this arena tonight, I do not just see 14,000 Iowans. I see 14 million Californians. I, I, I got nothing. Gotta be, that's got to be Kabbalah. I'll give you a hint. There's math in there. Oh, yay. Yep. Uh. Next quote. I'm not much of a celebrity. <laughs> Ironic, because it's very hard to get. Oh, um, who's the crazy lady? Nope. No. <laughs> Is it, can I ask a yes or no question? Sure. Is it one of the people whose names I don't know? It might be. Okay. It probably is. <laughs> I'll, I'll start throwing out some hints. One of the people I'd have to Google if they dropped out? <laughs> Would you have to Google a member of the U.S. Senate? Maybe. <laughs> uh, Bennett? His, yes! <gasps> nice, Carla! Very. I, I definitely have to Google that. <laughs> We're going to build a blue wall around Iowa and all the states that Donald Trump won in 2016. We're going to build that blue wall and make Donald Trump pay for it. Hint, hint, hint. Hint. Uh, it was Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> Last clue, <laughs> Carla. My first move was not to run for president of the United States because I'm not insane. Cory Booker? No. No, it was Andrew Yang. But, but Carla, you've won the game. Yeah! We'll be right back. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at the dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back! He's an Emmy-nominated investigative reporter on the BuzzFeed News Investigations team. Please welcome back Jason Leopold. Thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me. So the last time you were on the show, you were here to discuss the Mueller report. Around that time, you submitted a FOIA request, and you've since received some of the subpoenas, search warrants, emails, memos, interview transcripts that led to the report. Uh, can you tell us some of the more revelatory findings? Yes. So these are the documents that uh, Mueller used to write the report, and these are essentially interview summaries. Uh, the ones that we received over the weekend were with Steve Bannon, Rick Gates, and Michael Cohen. And this information that I pulled, uh, these are sort of the greatest hits, none of this made it into the report. None of this was none in the report. None of this made it into the report, so... None of it. This is an email. Why would you put it in the report? This, this is, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I was actually saying as I read this. I was like, <laughs> holy shit, how could this not be in the report? Uh, so this is an email from Donald Trump Jr. 
to Steve Bannon, Jared Kushner, and a bunch of other names that are redacted here. And the subject line is WikiLeaks. It's uh, September 21st, 2016. Guys, I got a weird Twitter DM from WikiLeaks. See below. I tried the password and it works. And the about section they reference contains the next pick in terms of who is behind it. Not sure if this is anything, but it seems like it's really WikiLeaks asking me as I follow them, and it is a DM. Do you know the people mentioned and what the conspiracy they are looking for could be? <laughs> what? First of all, what? That means if you direct message Donald Trump Jr. and you send him a link and a password, he will just type it, type it in. <laughs> These are just screenshots, but it's a fully built-out page claiming to be a pack. Uh, please let me know your thoughts and if we want to look into it. And uh, in August 2016, if you remember, uh, Paul Manafort was fired. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it turns out that Paul Manafort was still advising the campaign in secret. Uh, and we found that, that again wasn't in the Mueller report, but we found that out through uh, these summaries that were received over the weekend. And this is an email three days before election day, uh, November 5th, 2016. He's sending this email to Jared Kushner, and he says, Jared, not certain if you are offline, but I'm sending for when you are online again. I'm really feeling good about our prospects on Tuesday. And focusing on preserving the victory, this memo deals with the concern. Uh, I sent this to Rents and briefed Rick Gates and Hannity. <laughs> so, Chilling. Chilling so, to the core. So, so Jared then forwards this email to Steve Bannon and uh, says, what do you think? Steve Bannon says... We need to avoid this guy like the plague. <laughs> but he goes on to say, they are going to try and say the Russians worked with WikiLeaks to give this victory to us. Paul is a nice guy, but can't let word get out he is advising us. That was not in Mueller's report. Come on, Bob. No. James Comey and fucking Robert <laughs> Mueller sitting in a tree. Yeah, no, this in us. <laughs> you know, if you follow, go on. So, so this is the most explosive revelation. I love this. I just spent, I've been spending the past week reading all of this. And so this, this is an explosive revelation because this deals directly with impeachment. And this is from Rick Gates's uh, what they call an FBI 302, right? That's the interview summary. That's how the uh, FBI refers to it. Yeah, we're not idiots. And, and uh, <laughs> Go on. And uh, this is in April 2018. Gates recalled that Manafort said the hack, the hack of the DNC, was likely carried out by the Ukrainians, not the Russians, which parroted a narrative Konstantin Klimnik, which is a close Manafort associate, often supported. So... Why this is important is because this is exactly what Trump had discussed on the phone call with uh, President Zelensky. So, and this is the first time we are learning now that this, this seed was planted in July of 2016. Uh, so this is when he was, uh, this is when Manafort told Trump about this, told the campaign about this, and that the campaign then believed that you know, Ukraine was behind it. So we really don't know when this idea took hold that, in Trump's mind anyway, that it wasn't Russia, it was Ukraine, and it wasn't about helping him win, it was about undermining his victory. Do we know whether or not it was literally a Paul Manafort idea planted 
in Trump's mind? Do we know where this came from? Yeah, from these documents, we do. I mean, that this is the earliest known evidence that, that that's there. And and Konstantin Klimnik is is a name that popped up quite a bit. Uh, he has ro- ties to Russian intelligence, and it was a close Manafort associate. So he had been saying this. He passed it to Manafort. Manafort then passed it to the campaign, including Trump, and this is something that they parroted as early as July 2016, which is, we didn't know that. So when he gets on the phone with President Zelensky and says, hey, can you investigate this as well? We know that that was something that just continued throughout the past three years, even after U.S. intelligence had concluded that the Russians were behind it. So they never, ever believed it. It's a challenge because... When it comes to these kinds of revelations, I think there's two political worries, I think, that are subconsciously, consciously on the minds of those uh, who are following the Ukraine story now. One is, we went through the Mueller report, and as damning as it was, if we're, if we're looking at what happened, Barr successfully spun it for a while, uh, the report came, the Republicans rallied to his defense, and sure. we kind of moved on. The second part of that is the fact that that report had the two big sections. One was obstruction and one was right. Russia. And he, the report's conclusions in terms of the potential for criminality were entirely focused on obstruction. So I, I find myself thinking two things. One, it's incredibly important and damning that some of these things weren't in the Mueller report. Uh, and uh, two, uh, it makes me want to get out my red string and make a little connection from the current investigation right. uh, to what was happening with Russia. Because what's clear from this is the reason Donald Trump was stuck on this was in part because of Paul Manafort and because of some of the connections to Russia during the campaign. And yet, this Ukraine story, we don't need the Russia booster rockets, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I, sometimes well, you'll go on well, an analogy journey and you end up nowhere. But the the <laughs> the uh, but but. <laughs> It'll happen. But no, but, but that we don't want to add Russia to this. We feel like we've got this incredibly powerful story. What is the lesson from what you've found here to what, what's happening right now with the Ukraine investigation? There, there is a lot we still don't know. And the reason that I went after these documents is because that Mueller report was Robert Mueller's narrative, right? These are, if you will, this is like raw intel. This is word for word, at least in, in summary form, what these people are saying. This helps flesh out the narrative. This helps further expose what exactly was happening, what was taking place behind the scenes that we really didn't know about. Uh, you know, the Mueller report is only 448 pages. I know that's a lot, but for a historic investigation like that, I mean, you know, they, they could obviously have fit a lot more in. So the other thing that's really important here is that there is a, apparently a criminal investigation, a criminal investigation into the genesis of the Russia investigation. And they're going after everyone, apparently, that started that. And this, this is what Barr is doing. This is traveling what Barr around is the doing. world yes. with a magnifying glass and he's going, yes, dusting he's, for prints in, 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 in Italy. Personal, personally, you know, uh, uh, lobbying other governments to, to look into this. So this, these documents actually could help further explain why this investigation was started. And what I just read to you arguably would make sense that there would be a counterintelligence investigation launched into, you know, what was taking place in 2016. You know, if, if I just want to read one more thing here, and, and that is the fact that Trump apparently, this, this is again from Rick Gates' interview, um, they were traveling, they were leaving LAX, they were together, and Trump told Gates that more leaks were coming. And that's in Gates's interview summary with the FBI. 
And that, that was not that, in the Mueller report. That was not in the Mueller report. That, that Trump somehow knew that. There's another part in here where the RNC apparently had advanced knowledge of what was going to be leaked. So all of this sort of, you, when you start to look at it, you can understand what was happening, why the FBI perhaps became concerned, uh, what they were looking into. Because there was you know, a hostile government, obviously, getting involved in, in, the, uh, in, in the 2016 election. And you can see parallels, right, between the, but now with the power of the U.S. government, kind of trying to get the exact, playing, it's the same playbook, right? Let's yeah. get damaging information, this time from Ukraine, right. to go after our political opponents so that we can yeah. use it. But now, how cool is this? I'm president, I have all this leverage, uh, and I can use it uh, to basically try to get the same kind of investigatory anti-Democrat yeah. stories in the bloodstream. I think the great thing about this is the fact that, um, so there's about 46,000 pages that the FBI has of these interviews, and we are going to receive them every month for the next eight years. Oh, come and, on. Um, so, I mean, forget the next seven years, but it's we're going to be a real until, uh, right up until the election. It's going to be a real, uh, real downer for Ivanka's inauguration. Um, but this is actually a funny part that, you know, there's also some great color in these interview summaries, and I'm just, you know, going off here. Please. Um, but uh, in Bannon's 302, which is very colorful, by the way, he discusses when he first met Trump. He says he first met Trump in August of 2010. Their first meeting was approximately two hours long. David Bossie was present and said that Trump was thinking of running for president in 2012. Bannon said, <laughs> for what country? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jason Leopold, thank you so much for being here. Fascinating. When we come back, the rant wheel. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at a dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back! Now it's time for the rant wheel. You know how it works. We spin the wheel wherever it lands. We rant about the topic. This week on the wheel, we have Daylight Saving Time. I wonder if it'll land there. <laughs> One year till the election. Martin Scorsese's op-ed about cinema. Don Jr.'s book, Keanu Reeves Has a Girlfriend. James Dean, Deepfake. The T.I. Controversy. And Gluten. <laughs> Let's spin the wheel. It has landed on the T.I. controversy, which I put up there as the T.I. controversy because I know only one other word about it, and every time I got close to finding out the rest of the details, it felt like opening a box of screams. <laughs> Emily, this is your suggestion. Take it away. This was my suggestion. 
T.I., uh, who is uh, the rapper, not the calculator, um, <laughs> went on some radio show or podcast and said that he takes his daughter, who's now 18, every year to the gynecologist the day after her birthday to check to see that her, I'm so sorry I have to say this, that her hymen is still intact. Which is just so vile and upsetting for a number of reasons. Obviously it's a violation, it's abusive, it's disgusting, it's not an accurate way of telling whether or not someone is sexually active because I can tell you, I was a virgin until I was like 19, technically, but I was masturbating so much that there is no way there was a hymen left. <laughs> and I will also say, just because I didn't have vaginal intercourse until I was 19, doesn't mean I didn't blow my boyfriend in the library at my high school. Which I don't think T.I. would be cool with, but the doctor can't fucking check for that. But guess what? I went back and I spoke at my high school's graduation last year because none of that shit matters. I didn't tell that story when I did it. Obviously, virginity... They all know it now. They all know it now. Woo! And my parents, too, but they're cooler than T.I., so... Um, I, there's so much to unwrap here. Uh, you shouldn't, obviously, treat your children like they're uh, mint condition action figures that can't be taken out of the packaging. Uh, that's not how people work. Um, you also, if you are a doctor, you should not give that information to the parents. I don't care if the kid signed a piece of paper saying it was okay. That's not medicine. That's not, you should not be a practicing doctor. So I just want to extend an offer out there, like whoever this fucking doctor is who's doing this is obviously not a legit person. But if you are a person whose parents are being um, psycho with you and demanding that a quote-unquote doctor confirms that you're not having sex, I will uh, Photoshop some letterhead and you can just uh, send me an email and I will tell them you're a virgin. <laughs> because that is as legitimate of medicine as whatever this fucking doctor was doing. Let's spin it again. It has landed on gluten. Yeah, let's talk about gluten. <laughs> so, uh, I have food allergies. I'm allergic to tree nuts, so like almonds, cashews, pecans, etc. And oftentimes... Go ahead, go ahead. I say pecans. Pecans. Well... Continue. I'm from New Jersey. We say pecans. <laughs> we, we don't say that. <laughs> they, say, they say pecans. But... Uh, I eat them and I go to the hospital. My throat closes up, uh, my face blows up. When I'm at dinner sometimes with people and I say to the waiter, I have a food allergy, I'm allergic to tree nuts, somebody at the table will go, yeah, me too, I can't have gluten. 
I'm like, no, you've chosen this fake diet of not having gluten, which gives you, what, what happens when you don't eat gluten? I get a stomach ache. Oh my God, that's so terrible. You know what happens if I eat nuts? I go to the hospital because I can't breathe because my throat closes up. It's not the fucking same thing. So don't pretend it's the same thing. It's don't a fad, fake allergy fad. that you've given yourself. It's fake. So stop it right now. But you can pr- say enough. that I prefer not to have gluten. Say it's a preference. I prefer not to have gluten. Be honest with the way Unless seven. you're one of the very, 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 very small percent of people who medically can't have Exception gluten. Exception important. But most people, most people are not that. I feel very strongly about this. Because, because everybody knows the gluten thing is bullshit, uh, the chefs are less likely to uh, take your nut allergy seriously. And I just don't want to die. That's all I had to say. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's my rant. Don't pretend you have a food allergy when you just have a... <laughs> Food preference. Preferences are valid, but, you know, don't conflate the two. Don't get me started on the cilantro people. (laughs) (laughs) Let's spin it again. (laughs) It has landed on daylight savings time. And what a surprise that is. What more will he say? (laughs) Has it actually landed on daylight savings time, or are we supposed to go back one? (laughs) Little daylight saving humor to kick us off. Very exciting. It's happened. We fell back. We got one extra hour of sleep, and now the sun sets at 4 fucking 30. (laughs) As you all know, due to... uh, the strange twists and turns of life. I've asked many presidential candidates about this issue. I believe now eight of them. About ending the scourge of falling back and springing forward. It began as a bit of a lark, but now it's time we get serious. Switching time is bad. A 2012 study found a 10% increase in the risk of heart attack on the Monday and Tuesday after moving the clocks ahead. Other research suggests the increase in heart attack risk could be as high as 24%. Spring forward to your sudden and painful death. (laughs) A 2016 study in the Journal of Epidemiology found an increase in depressive episodes in the fall. Fall back into a well of sadness. (laughs) So the switch can be harmful, but whether to stay on daylight saving time or standard time is actually a little bit complicated. And we're gonna introduce some nuance. Everybody ready? Buckle up for some nuance. First, it actually depends on where you live. If you live in Boston on the eastern edge of the time zone, the sun rises and sets almost an hour earlier than if you live in Detroit on the western edge of the time zone. So look at how different things are depending on where you are in the time zone. And I want to thank my Twitter pals, or as I call them, the gay hive. (laughs) Jonathan Spring and Paul Bailey, who crunched some numbers after I was tweeting about this obsessively. Let's go to the first chart. For those listening at home in this audio medium... There is a chart that I will put on the top of my Twitter feed that shows you something, and here's what it basically shows you. If you live on the eastern edge of a time zone, you're Boston's, you're Chicago's, you're Las Vegas's, you're Las Vegas. <laughs> the sun sets much earlier. 
than if you were to say live in Detroit or in Miami or in some of the southern states, in Dallas. According to the Washington Post, researchers found that people who live on the western side of their time zone were 11% more likely to be overweight, 21% more likely to be obese, they had a 19% increased risk of heart attack, they were more likely to have diabetes, they were also 5% more likely to get breast cancer, and it may be because their 9 a.m. feels too early. They're sleep deprived. It's wild that the time zone, where you live in your time zone, may have such a dramatic effect on your quality of life. Isn't that interesting? I didn't know that. Are you not fascinated and delighted by this terrifying information about the importance of geography into every facet of your being? So because I am an honest broker, respected on all sides, any solution to the daylight saving conundrum has to reflect the fact that being on the western side of any time zone is like having daylight saving time all the time Anyway, in a way, Detroit is always living an hour ahead, time-wise. It gets fucked up, you know? If you really start breaking it down, it starts to screw with your mind. What is time? Then Boston. In the summer, a 9.15 sunset in Detroit is pretty late, and it's hard to sleep. And if you kept daylight saving in Detroit all year, in the winter, an 8.15 sunrise is brutal. I'm being honest. I'm introducing integrity into this debate where I've come to discover that some places might be better off on standard time. I've listened and I've grown. The energy data is also conflicting. There's always this talk, oh, it saves energy. It's really unclear. So it may save you on electricity because your lights are on at night, but it may cost you energy because you heat your house in the morning and you use more AC. And by the way, everybody's driving around doing fun evening activities during daylight saving. You know who loves daylight savings time? Golf courses and big barbecue. (laughs) That's real. The barbecue industry is making bank off of this time switching. Follow the money, cooey bono. (laughs) Right now, according to the Uniform Time Act of 1966, states can choose to either stay on standard time year-round, which a few states like Arizona, Hawaii, and Indiana until recently have opted to do, or you can participate in daylight saving time and spring ahead and fall back with everybody else. There's only two options. Here is what I've come to conclude. There should be a third option. There should be option the options we have. Let's call it the switcheroo <laughs> and standard time, but there should be an option for states, especially states in the eastern part of the time zone to be on daylight saving time all year round. Sometimes states' rights is not racist. It's one time. (laughs) This one time, it's not not that. This is a good states' rights. If Florida wants to stay on daylight saving time year round, those old weird bastards should be let to do it. They should be allowed. And if Massachusetts is sick of 4 p.m. sunsets, They should be able to keep daylight saving time when they're guzzling maple syrup and cheating at football. In the light. In the sunlight. Same goes for all of us who live on the eastern edge out here. You're Nevadas. You're Californias. If we want to stay in daylight saving time, I say Congress should let us. 
The only other option is to just get rid of time zones altogether and live on one beautiful time zone where the clock won't dictate our schedules, we'll no longer be trapped to the cultural yoke of 9 to 5, we'll work from 6 to 13 or something, I'm not sure, but we can go back to how life used to be when every town lived by the sun before capitalism and train schedules came down on our throats like a clock from hell. Fuck time. Fuck time. Say it with me. Fuck time. And that's our show. I want to thank Cal Penn, Emily Heller, Jason Leopold, The Improv, all of you for coming out to this late show, the whole team for working on this late show, Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, AOC, and the rest. Have a great night. Love It or Leave It is a product of Crooked Media. It's written and produced by me, John Lovett, Elisa Gutierrez, Lee Eisenberg, our head writer and Burisma board member, Travis Helwig, and writers Jocelyn Kaufman, Alicia Carroll, John Milstein, Sarah Lazarus, and Peter Miller. Bill Lance is our editor, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Jamie Skeel, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast, and to our digital producers, Narmel Konian and Yale Freed, for filming and editing video each week so you can.